0: My name is Julia Grace. I have been invited. Who was here last week, by the way? I've got a few people staring at me like, who's that chick? Nice to see you. Who wasn't here last week? I have been invited, and it's lovely to meet you guys. Um, we started a message last week around the incredible topic of mental well being, and we started with. Some grabbable words, some language around mental health that we can use to make the big topic of mental health just a little bit easier and a little bit more fun. So, what I thought I'd start with was, um, who can can anyone give me a little bit of feedback? Can anyone remember we we showed the the wobbly point? We had four, oh, this guy, what a legend. He's got the grabbable words there with him. Thank you so much. Last week, we put up on the screen four little animals who showed four different stress responses of some of the ways we feel when our brains are under pressure. And those stress responses had four words. They all started with the letter F. Who's going to yell one out for me, one of the stress responses? Freeze, thank you. Fight, fawn, and for light. Fantastic. I put everybody on the spot. I made those people who were here last week feel a little uncomfortable by telling them that I was going to pick them out of the audience, make them come up the front and sing a song, pick up my guitar and turn up the volume. And we talked about how we felt in those moments. And we felt a little bit wobbly. We felt like we'd reached our wobbly point, And we talked about the fact that we can start to feel those things earlier in the process. Rather than getting to the point where we're exploding and getting angry, we actually start to feel those things early. We talked about pre-planning our support network and finding a certain type of buddy. What sort of buddy were we gonna plan for? A jelly buddy. So a jelly buddy was somebody that you've sat down with in advance and said, when I'm wobbly, I'm gonna let you know. And if I can't tell, you're allowed to say something. And you can turn up at my house and you can knock on the door. And if I'm your jelly buddy and you say, hi, how are you? And I say, good, you're allowed to not take that as an acceptable answer. Because we all have the great Kiwi chat. You know that Kiwi chat? It's really deep, very meaningful. Sounds like this. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. That's it, end of conversation. Who's already had that conversation today? <laughs> we do it all the time, don't we? We're like, oh, hi, Aaron, how are you? Good, keep walking, don't have time, you know, much as I love Aaron and I know that he would have a good conversation up his sleeve, we often don't have time. So checking in with those people, my jelly buddies are the people that if they knock on my door and I say I'm fine and they know I'm not, they have permission to break a window, Yes, and if the cops turn up, we just show them your jelly buddy card, Your Honour. I have yet to see if it will stand up in a court of law, but there's always a first time. So let's go for that. We talked about that. We talked about the fact that we are all on a well-being spectrum. This is not about some people and other people. We're actually all on that. And to to demonstrate today, I want you to play a little game with me called Put a Finger Down. I want you to hold up five fingers like this. And you're going to put a finger down if you can relate to one of these five things. I did this this week in a high school. A bunch of teenage girls and their dads. And we learned that even though we were all different, because the dads were hairier and not so good looking, it was okay because we had a lot in common. Put a finger down if you've ever had a brain blank. You've walked into a meeting, you've walked into an exam, you felt well prepared, and the minute you walked in, you just went, I left my brain at the door. And you now have to go back to the other room. Anyone do that? We have to go back to the other room to remember why you came to that room. And then, yeah, my mum used to do it all the time. Put a finger down if you've ever felt really tired but you haven't really done anything except thinking. You've got tired from cognitive thought. You come out of writing, you're doing your blimmin' tax return or making your plans and you think, I haven't even done anything but I'm so tired. It's because your brain is an energy-hungry monster. And cognitive thought uses a lot of energy. Put a finger down if you've ever struggled to get to sleep even though you were super tired because your brain was tired but wired. So you feel like you should be able to get to sleep so easy and then as soon as you lie down, your brain goes, and then you get up. Oh, I'm so tired. I'll put my eyes down. Tired but wired. That's one of the things our brain does. Put a finger down. If you haven't told someone how you're feeling because you thought, even though you feel like absolute rubbish, they might not understand. You're just like, I, I'm just not even going to bother telling you because you just might not get it. Awesome. Put a finger down if you've ever made a really bad decision under pressure. Where's Nate? <laughs> <laughs> Put t- yeah. Is anyone down to like one or one finger? Oh yeah. Have a look around. We are all in the same boat, right? We're all on the innate, oh, I love you, he's awesome. So today we're going to talk really quickly and I've got like 18 minutes to smash through a few things, so I apologise that I'm going to go quick, is it okay if I go fast? Normally I do this in about 40 minutes, but we've got 20, so you know, we're going to wrap through here. We are going to look at our next grabbable word from our lovely gentleman at the back, he has got his grabbable words there, and that is the one degree of change. The one degree of change. You know, we often come to things like this and we talk about mental health and we talk about things like fitness and we leave and we go, I'm going to go to the gym every day for the rest of my life. No, you're not. (laughs) It's really hard to make big changes sustainable. So today the one degree of change is just how could we make, if I stand here and I move 500 miles in this direction, I'm going to end up in one spot. If I move one degree to the right, even though it's an almost imperceptible change at the beginning, my destination is going to be really different. So today I'm going to fire through some things, and first of all, this wonderful scripture here, which gave me the idea for this grabbable word, with unveiled faces reflecting the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. We don't suddenly get good, suddenly get it right, suddenly get it perfect. It's just small incremental changes, and this is where this grabbable word came from. I'm going to fire through some things that I have found really useful For those who weren't here last week, I have um, diagnosed with clinical depression and anxiety and all of these tools in the toolbox are things that I have pulled out of my belt at times to help me deal with and manage my own mental health. All right, now the first one is faith. I wear an anchor around my neck to remind me that no matter what is happening to the ship on the surface of the ocean, I can always track down and I can follow the rope and I am attached to a God who is bigger, stronger, deeper, and rockier than I am. I'll be really honest with you, over my mental health journey and over the the crises of the last 10 years, my faith has got skinnier and deeper. There's a whole lot of things I just don't care about anymore. Because the way we do things here, I could go to the church down the road and they will do things differently. And we all have different ways of doing things. I've just let go of a lot of stuff what I'm really, really strong on is that love for one another. Those things where we say, I am called to love the Lord my God with all my heart, my soul, my mind, to love my neighbour as I love myself. And to keep the main thing the main thing. Keep Jesus in the centre of our vision and maybe not worry so much about arguing with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Alright, next one, Fano. I love the idea of whānau because it's friends and family that we choose, people that we can invite into our world to talk about our mental wellness. Can I be honest with you guys? Sometimes your blood relatives are not the right people to talk to about your mental health. I see a few heads nodding. Some people who'd like to nod, but they're sitting next to their relatives. Um, (laughs) Sometimes it's just too close to home. If you're, like, as an example, if you're really, you know, high anxiety and you're sort of genetic makeup, and and your mum might be the same, and if you start telling her, be careful not to destabilise your relationships, be wise with who you share your journey with. This is where counsellors and therapists and wonderful people like my wonderful friend Aaron over here, skilled in the art of helping you to unravel what's going on, but also trained in how to leave that and not take that on board. So I'm such a fan of talk therapy. I'm such a fan of finding those people that you can actually unwind to. All right, the next one, fullness. The definition, if you think of the word depression just as a definition, it means dip. If you imagine a dip in the beach ball, if you try and suck a dip out of the beach ball from the outside, it's just gonna keep appearing somewhere else no matter what you do. The only way to get rid of a dip in a beach ball is to do what? Blow it up. Inflate it from the inside out. Put something inside it. Find some things that make you come alive. I call these things that make you go, hmm. Things that make you go, hmm, mm, mm. What do you love doing? Not what did you do because your kids want you to do it or have to do because of work. What do you love doing? Could be anything. Could be knitting, could be fishing. Two men just woke up over there. You're welcome. Um, Find the things that make you come alive and take them as part of your medication. All right, next one. Hate to break it to you, fitness. Bodies were not designed to be looked at. They were designed to move and to function. Now, we're in West Auckland, so I can just simply say to you, free drugs. You're welcome. Dopamine, endorphins. If you move your body, you will get chemical responses that make you feel good. Is that a good thing? get out there. Get away from some of the diesel, get out onto Muriwai, head on out to Bethel's, head on out to Piha. go to the beach, go for a walk and actually move your body. All right, next one. Sorry, it's going downhill. I hate to break it to you again, but we would be crazy to ignore the link between our food and our mood. You know, sometimes, like I said last week, we're praying for good health while sitting in the KFC queue. And God's like, there's a limit to how much I can do. You know what I mean? And so actually, (laughs) it's probably not theological, but I do think sometimes he's like, really? Are you serious? Maybe we need to use what's in our hand, faith and works, more faith, more works. We've got to put our stuff into action. All right, the next one, forward focus. Get something in your diary for you to look forward to. Sometimes we get really caught up into what's going on down here and we actually can find some way of lifting our eyes and lifting our perspective. Something for this week, something for next week, next month, something for you to look forward to and for your jelly buddy to actually go, hey, you know, don't forget what we've got that looking ahead to look forward to. Pharmaceuticals, I'm so grateful for good medication that's really helped me with my mental well-being. If you need to go to the doctor, go. We talked a bit about this last week. We don't look down on people in church who are taking medication for any other health issue, and yet somehow we've gotten all weird about this stuff. Antidepressants are not a silver bullet, but they can help you to go back to the top of the list and work your way through. For me, I take Prozac. It has been a lifesaver and a deal-breaker and a game-changer. And I'm very grateful for the medical professionals who have helped me A few years ago, I had heart surgery. I had uh, open heart surgery, and I'm so grateful for the doctors who opened me up and gave me 20 to 30 years of extra life. And I'm also grateful for the doctors who have helped me with good medication around my brain health. So go for it if you need it. All right, I'm really pushing the envelope here. They all started with a F. So today, we're talking about. thankfulness (laughs) and it's close to thanksgiving so I think we're getting close into there and what I want to do today is actually talk a little bit about this wonderful tool of gratefulness and how science and scripture really do agree on this one now I I found the scripture by David in Psalm 23 because I knew we'd all know it and I love David because he's all over the place right you know he's a bit of a drama queen He's not sort of here, he's like, everything's up on the mountain or down in the valley. And I can really relate, because he's a musician. Does anyone live with a creative person? Yeah, we need a support group for you to deal with us, right? Because we can be a little bit like this. But he said, yay, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, yay, I will fear no evil. And I love this part at the top, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me. (laughs) He makes me. Sometimes I feel like God almost has to make us to stop, calm down, get in some green pastures and take a break. And that's where we need to be listening to our bodies rather than fighting them, going, Wow, maybe you're telling me my wobbly point means I need to take a break. Maybe Nate just needs a holiday. Amen. <laughs> I'm excited about your next phase. All right, so let's talk about what gratitude is not. It's not just pretending. Because I was sort of brought up with gratitude was this thing where you just pretend everything's okay. You know those are really annoying people? They're basically not just grateful, they're just delusional. You know, you, you're like they're sneezing and coughing and, and blowing their nose, and you're like, oh, you got a bit of a cold, don't you speak that over me? And I'm like, maybe you need to get away from work. Go home and take a break. Your body is trying to tell you something. Actually listening to our bodies instead of being delusional. Now, whether or not you're a bit of a glass half full person or half empty person, is, there's a lot of personality involved in this, right? You know, some people are just naturally really positive and they tend to be positive. I had an uncle, a great uncle, great Uncle Stanley. He was English, if you can tell from my accent. And if there was a gift of negativity, he had it. There isn't one, but he, you know. And he was just negative about everything. He could just ruin any day. Absolutely. They lived in England and he's like, Oh, we don't like it over here. It's too cold. So they got on a plane and they put their stuff on a boat and they flew across the ocean and they got to New Zealand with my lovely auntie Dorothy. And they got to New Zealand, they're like, Oh no, oh, we don't like it over here. (laughs) Too many New Zealanders. So they got back on the plane and they flew back. To England. Now the boat was sort of, I don't know, going that way a little bit. So they got back to England, they got back all the way through to England, and they're like, oh no, no we really don't like it here at all, we're going to go back. There was a lot of flying for Auntie Dorothy, who had a terrible fear of flying. And my uncle used to wind her up, he loved winding her up. He convinced her that the plane was only being held in the air by one little pin. He said, "If that little pin drops out of the plane, we're all going to, you know, we're all going to die." And if she started looking a little bit too calm at any point in the in the trip, maybe shut her eyes and looked like she was going to have a little bit of a rest, he would dig her in the ribs and say, "One little pin." <laughs> he just had this gift of negativity. And he said, "Come over to my house." And he said, "Come over to my house." He's was a very stingy, man. And he said, um, I've bought some new things. And we're like, wow, this is a move of God. We've got to turn up and see what he's bought. He goes, come and look at me, new couch. Oh, got a new couch, beautiful new couch. But of course, he didn't want us to wreck it. So they left the plastic cover on the couch. All <laughs> oh, that anyone got an auntie like this, uncle? Plastic, and so we're like, oh, it's lovely. We sat down and of course, you know, you get third degree burns because it got so hot in the sun. You could feel the sweat dripping down your thighs. <laughs> Lost a couple of layers of skin as we stood up from the couch. Anyway, he says, oh, that's not all. I've got new carpet. Come and look at me new carpet. But, of course, he didn't want us to wreck it. So we've got this matting stuff that on the bottom of it was like spiky, like, you know, these little spikes, and on the top it was smooth. Anyone, Aunty, like this, you know? If you turn it upside down and walk, it's like some kind of Lego torture mechanism. I don't know. Anyway, and he'd cut it out in circles, and they'd put it across the carpet. So you had to walk on the thing like this. And then when he went back to the bathroom because he didn't want you to wreck the carpet, and then he says, "Oh, that's not all. Come and see my new bench top. I've got a new bench top." We're like, "Wow, bench tops cost a lot." He says, "Come into the kitchen." So we're like, "Okay." We come into the kitchen, and then we go, and he goes, "Look at me bench top," and we're like, "Ooh, it's made of particle board. You know, chipboard. Looks like wheat. it's the cheapest, nastiest wood you can get he's oh no 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 no." Lifts it up underneath. Beautiful new form I can bench (laughs) top. But of course he didn't want Auntie Dorothy to wreck it, so she had to use the particle board. He just had a gift. So we're going to be the opposite of Uncle Stanley. It's not just pretending. It's our practice, not a perfect. It's hard sometimes to find things to be grateful for. And it feels like a very small solution to a big problem. I was in the middle of a big problem once, and a friend of mine, I called him, he's a psychologist, and I was like, oh, I'm having a terrible time, I, uh, my husband left, my kids are there, he goes, right, I need you to go down to the shops and buy yourself a gratitude diary, I was like, dude, did you not hear my problem, and this is your stupid little solution, you know, big problem, small solution, come on, gratitude diary, whatever, Now, I was brought up in a semi-cult, so when a man tells me to do something, I pretty much always do it, but I do it in a very passive-aggressive way. So I went off to the local shops, and I found myself the smallest diary I could find and a very, very bad pencil, and I took it home. I opened it up, and I was like, oh, stupid idea. Call yourself a psychologist. And I wrote on the front page, (laughs) I'm alive. (laughs) I put it to one side. The next day I picked it up and I opened it up, I said, bad attitude, and I wrote, I've got two beautiful children, and I put it to one side. The third day I picked it up and I wrote, there's a roof over my head, it's not the roof I used to have, I used to have a beautiful home out in Kau Kapakapa, Kapa. you know, my husband left, I lost the house, and well, I didn't lose it, I know where it is, but somebody bought it off me, and um, is now living there, but... I do have a house, the rent is exorbitant, it's not what I want, but I'm grateful for it. And what I found was very difficult at times, every day I just found one thing that I could be grateful for and I got to the back of the book and I flipped it over and I found that I, even on my darkest day there was one thing that I could be grateful for. So why does science tell us? I want to give you a couple of little brain hacks today as we go through, because I love a little brain hack. Now, this is incredibly simplified language. But gratitude does affect some of the things in our brain. It can flick our reward centre on, a little hit of dopamine, a little chemical feeling that things feel good when we show and express gratitude. It does feel good. And also, some of those stress responses, those fight, flight, freeze, fawn, they can just dampen and calm down when we do express gratitude. So that's a good thing, right? Nice little click brain. Now, how do we get a little hack? Why does it work? And the reason I'm gonna geek out here just for a minute, there's this thing called the beta-Menhoff phenomenon or frequency illusion. Now, the best way to explain this is that when you buy a new car, all of a sudden you see those cars all over the place. Does that make sense? Like you get a Honda Suzuki Swift and then suddenly everybody's driving a Suzuki Swift. Now, this doesn't count for Priuses, because everyone nowadays they have a Prius, but um, we were driving along, and we have a Land Rover, our old Land Rover Discovery looked a bit like that, not quite so muddy, but it was one of those, and Michael said to me, well now we're driving in an old Land Rover, we're in the club, and people will wave to you, and I was like, now I'm not a cars girl, I don't care about cars, so I was like, oh, this sounds cool, and we had two cars at the time, and uh, one was the Land Rover and the other one was a work van. Anyway, we pulled up literally to this intersection just out here and we pulled up next to a Land Rover. And I thought, cool, because I'd been seeing Land Rovers everywhere. Suddenly it felt like there were lots of Land Rovers on the road. Were there more Land Rovers on the road? No, but my brain highlighted all the Land Rovers I saw. And I pulled up next to the Land Rover and I thought, here's my perfect opportunity, to be part of the club. Yes, I'm going to do the wave. I won't do this because that would you know, I'll probably get myself beaten up. Do that. Not Land Rover, but just give him one of these. Now, he had his window down. I had my window down. I looked out. I was like, he looked at me. He looked away. I was like, rude. Come on. This guy obviously doesn't know about the club. <laughs> I'll try again. So I went like this. He put up his window. I was like, oh. I said to Michael, and this guy, I waved. He's in a Land Rover. He goes, yeah, well, it would help if we were also in our Land Rover. <laughs> <laughs> we were in the work van. The guy just thinks I'm crazy. So we go looking. But the cool thing about this is we see, if we're looking for things to be grateful for, we're going to see them more often. Now, the second thing is called confirmation bias. Basically is that when... When we feel that we know something, we tend to find things that confirm our beliefs already. This is why uh, Facebook algorithms are not to be trusted because they work on this premise. You already believe something, you're going to find things to support your point of view. Now, how can we hack this when it comes to gratitude is the little man with the the thing on the next slide, babe. How do we do it? If you see something good and you're looking for it, you're actually going to see more of it because of those illusions. And also, if you believe that there's good to be found in the world, confirmation bias tells us that you will find more. So if you've got kids in your world who are struggling to find things to be grateful for, can I encourage you that if you start a practice of gratitude, what's actually gonna happen is it's gonna get easier and easier. Just like the Land Rovers on the road, they're gonna start highlighting and seeing those things around as they go. Now, there's a wonderful scripture here that says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And the guy who wrote this, it would be easy to say, oh, well, it's all right for him. He must have had a very easy life. Does anyone know anything about the author of this verse? His name was Paul. He had some pretty horrific things happen to him. Does anyone know what happened to Paul? He was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned, bitten by snakes, stoned, not that one, other one. Throwing, beaten. He had a thorn in his side. He, he had a really rough run. And yet he was able to say the scripture. Can I just be honest with you? It doesn't say for everything give thanks. I'm not grateful for everything that's happened to me. Some things that happen to us are just downright wrong. They're not okay. And they shouldn't probably have happened. And I won't accept people saying, oh, everything happens for a reason. Not necessarily. Sometimes the reason is they shouldn't have done it (laughs) in the first place. But what it says is for everything. And my encouragement to me and to you and to your family in this is that in the middle of anything, there will be something that we can glean out of it. Like the diamond in the dirt, there'll be something if we turn the rock over, we will find something that we can be grateful for. And if we begin a practice of gratitude, it's actually gonna get easier for us as one of our thankfulness. Now, we're gonna finish off today with a little activity. I'm gonna invite Michael up to help me out because I think sometimes it's really good to make these things visible. And this is an activity that you can do at home with your kids. Go down to the $2 shop, go down to the warehouse, whatever, and buy yourself some little bows. He's got some bows ready for me. And if you give these to your kids, I want you to encourage them to go around your house And stick them onto the things or the people that they're grateful for. Now, if you've got teenagers, what's the first thing they're going to stick it on? Cell phone, modem, (laughs) fridge, laptop. Absolutely. And isn't it interesting how it comes like with power? When are we? When's the only time we're grateful for power? When it's gone. The power comes off and we're like, oh, this is terrible. And then the power comes back and we're like, oh, hallelujah. I will always be grateful for this power. Two minutes later, we've forgotten. We move on. So actually going around and showing, say to your kids, because you know that fridge that's full of food? It's not just food, it's your time. It represents your life that you have spilled out on behalf of them to feed them. And they need to learn to be grateful for that. I'm really grateful that in this church, as a woman, I'm allowed to preach. Yeah, and I know that might sound funny, but in some places we are still considered second-class citizens and that our voices are not to be heard, and I'm so grateful that we have come a long way. I'm really, really grateful to my parents for giving me piano and guitar lessons for many, many years and many hundreds of dollars, and very grateful for what they built into me so I can do today what I have done. I'm very grateful to this guy. Hey babe. Hey, yeah. <laughs> oh, i gonna put that on you. Is that uh, all right? I'm so grateful for your support and for all the stuff you do that other people don't see. I'm grateful that you rock me up and wake me up and get me moving. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so grateful that you're such a rock in my world. I really appreciate it.
1: Mm. Mm. Get one of those, hey. <laughs> my turn, um, sweetheart. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful that you walk beside me in the journey of life. Um, you're my best friend, and um, I love doing this with you, um, being able to change people's lives for the better. Again? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I want to give this one to someone who's been a really good friend to me. Um, moving up to Auckland, uh, marrying this lovely lady, has been hard making friends because we're on the road a lot. Um, but Tim, Tim rings me often, <laughs> a lot, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's been a good mate. Um, and, uh, you know, he just rings up to see how, th- how things going. going. Um, we have a business mind, so our minds work a little bit different um, to a lot of people that I struggle to meet and and connect with. Um, Yeah, so I just want to give you this. (laughs) Oh,
0: yeah. (laughs) Give him a kiss. (laughs) Awesome. I wanted to demonstrate that, you know, sometimes we've got to do something. It's good to sit around and talk about it and go, oh, yeah, that's great. And then we go home from church and think, oh, yeah, we've forgotten. But wouldn't be cool if we spread bows around this week? Leave some at work. People, well, what? what's that about? Oh, well, you know, actually, I, I learned a bit about gratitude and mental health and what the Bible says about that. I think we should be leading the way on this stuff. And so I'm encouraging you to go and put some of those things into practice. So let's just pray a prayer of gratitude. I'm gonna get the band up. We're gonna do some worship and continue to thank God for his goodness. But um, let's put our faith into practice now God we thank you for your goodness we thank you for your grace uh, your graciousness in our lives Lord we are so grateful for the paths that we have walked some of the things are, we struggle with seeing how they fit but we do believe that you are able to make all things into a, a woven garment that is good that you can gather the threads and and pull them together into something that can be beautiful, even out of nothing. And God, I just thank you for every person here today. We thank you for our mental wellness journey, not just for us, but for our whanau, our circles, our work, our, our places of influence. And I just pray that this church would be one that would grow in strength and understanding, but also to be able to spread your word wherever they go. Amen.